Again, uh, this um, section is uh, about caring for carers. Uh, this is an, an area which I um, probably can uh, defer to some of you in the, in the audience uh, here with a lot more personal experience. It's not something which I have a lot of personal experience uh, caring for someone with a mental health um, issue. Um, but uh, I, I, I certainly meet a lot of carers in, 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 in my work and uh, hopefully this will be of some, some help to you. Uh, just firstly, a, a thank you to anyone here who is in this role of uh, caring for others. It's a, a very precious uh, service and, and ministry. Um, when, we, when we think about uh, caring for carers, we are applying the same principles as caring for others, which we discussed last week. So if you're trying to support a carer, um, you know, you want to have the, the same sort of attitudes and skills and knowledge um, and you want to, uh, you know, be, be able to use those skills with the person as you would with somebody else who was struggling themselves. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So there's something about experiencing the comfort and the care of God um, as, a, as a basis, as a, as a foundation, as an empowering then to uh, care for others. Um, and, and to be able to give them the, the kind of comfort that we ourselves receive. The burden for carers, there is a, obviously an emotional cost that comes from um, seeing uh, someone suffering and uh, sharing in their pain and going through the, the ups and downs of, of uh, their condition. Um, practical demands on uh, time and energy and schedule and routine. And uh, it can be that uh, a carer's own life then uh, is on hold as they uh, commit and dedicate to caring for others. particular frustrations for carers uh, when the problems um, of the person they're trying to the care of the person they're caring for are not acknowledged 
Uh, we spent quite a bit of time talking about that in the last, last session. Um, when timely help is not forthcoming, so even when uh, the loved one is uh, willing to get help or even desperate to get help, and when there seems to be barriers to that through whether it's uh, you know, waiting times or uh, not being able to find the right service or not getting a good fit with the practitioner that they're seeing, that can be pretty frustrating. And then when everything has been tried, uh, when it feels as if... Uh, when it feels as if, you know, what's going to happen now and uh, what, what hope is there and where do we go from here and how can we carry on like this? Um, and that's when it's a real challenge to, to persevere and to trust in situations like that and to look after oneself. Uh, obviously not this is not meant to be a negative talk about uh, caring. There's a, a joy and, and privilege in, in caring. Um, there, there's there's to, to be motivated by, by, by love is a great thing. Um, to have a, a sense of calling um, and to sort of embrace the role and, and to see it as, you know, this is what this is what God has, wants me to do right now. This is where um, I uh, devote my concentration, my energy, my attention. You know, I'm fully present in this, in this role. I think that, that fosters a joy and a sense of, of privilege. What are some of the positive qualities of a carer? Within a Christian framework, obviously, dependence on the Lord comes first, that we're caring with his strength and not on our own. If it was just our own strength, I think we can only go so far. So uh, dependence on the Lord for the strength and the grace to care. Um, people who are able to empathize and to form a good relational connection or that uh, precious uh, ability to kind of understand and to get it and to be able to give the sense that you know I can I can I can grasp something about what you're going through um, not having all the answers and being okay with not having all the answers um, tied in with that you, you're not Responsible to be the person's uh, therapist or, or doctor, uh, leave that to somebody else. And uh, I, I have to kind of remind uh, parents sometimes to, um, you know, try and concentrate on being parents, and you don't have to be the the the, the loved one's professional or therapist. Uh, so being able to being able to let go where necessary. Uh, to be able to back, back off and give people space to um, be in their pain and to suffer in the way that they are suffering, uh, not feeling responsible for 
always having to come up with solutions or um, necessarily having to be there all the time. And then um, the ability to look after oneself in the midst of caring for others and developing that personal resilience. Some potential pitfalls. Uh, now, the, the concept of uh, codependence, uh, this is when um, excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner stemming from own unresolved issues. So if you are, have unresolved issues for yourself and you're bringing them into a caring relationship and there's something about that relationship which is addressing uh, your own issues and that's, why, and that's what's motivating you to continue in that relationship, then that's a situation which is not so healthy. Um, and uh, uh, one needs help to be able to recognize what their own issues are and work on those separately and not depend on the caring relationship to meet those needs or to address those issues. And then the concept of uh, enabling, which is very common in addictions, is when we uh, do things for people that they should be, that could be and should be doing for themselves, thereby shielding them from, from the consequences of their, of their behavior. Um, so like we said earlier on, if somebody is arrested for um, dealing in drugs, then, you know, uh, they need to face the consequences of their actions rather than um, you speaking to somebody that you know to get them off the hook. And then uh, burnout or sheer exhaustion in the process of, of caring and giving too much of, of, one, of oneself beyond your, the, the capacity that, that you have. I think it's, it's any uh, situation that is being driven, uh, uh, being driven primarily or being driven significantly by having your own needs met. So let's say, for example, if you're somebody who feels very um, neglected or unwanted or unloved yourself, yeah, and if you find that the act of caring for other people um, gives you a sense of being accepted and loved uh, yourself. And if that's your primary motivation, that's an example that I, that I can think of. Um, so supporting carers okay so now we're thinking uh, how can uh, in, a, in a church setting how can we support uh, people who are in a caring caring role so uh, the obvious things uh, being there for them uh, listening listening well 
offering practical help where, where, where possible. Uh, I know some, some people are involved in uh, support groups uh, led by carers, so group, groups of carers coming together to support each other, pray for each other, help each other in practical ways. Um, and then uh, ac- acknowledging and honoring our carers uh, without patronizing them, giving them their, their, uh, uh, their, their place without patronizing and uh, upholding in, in, in prayer. Importance and where, where possible for uh, carers to be uh, supported in carrying on with their own lives uh, uh, in the right time and sensitive. For some people, it's simply not possible and they have to be fully devoted to their task of caring and that's absolutely uh, fine. But at the same time, you, if there is a possibility for the person to um, develop their own life and their own spheres, then that should uh, be encouraged so that the person doesn't become overly identified with the caring role and is able to pursue their own goals where possible and, of course, uh, to be enabled to have appropriate amounts of uh, rest and breaks and, and sometimes that can be through uh, arranging respite care for their loved one. Some uh, practical matters and help in relation to carers. So there are uh, financial issues and benefits issues that um, uh, can be uh, uh, learnt about and citizen, citizen's advice is a good source of that. Uh, if the loved one is uh, seeing a healthcare professional in a healthcare trust and uh, carers can request for an, an assessment of their needs as carers and that can be a uh, systematic way of uh, identifying areas where potentially the carers could receive additional um, help and support. And there are also various, various carer advocacy services, such as uh, Bryson Care. Obviously, the uh, carers play a, a, a vital role. Uh, the health service wouldn't function without carers. It would collapse overnight if there were no carers uh, playing their role and serving in, in that way. Um, no, nowadays, and quite rightly so, the, the, the voice of the patients, service users, and carers is taken seriously um, and uh, welcomed. And, and generally is, is, is heard. Um, and I think this could be a uh, definite uh, advantage and, and a good thing uh, because you can speak up then on behalf of the person you're caring for. You can 
uh, ask questions or even make suggestions um, and offer to collaborate in the person's care and treatment. And I think for, for Christians also, it, it presents a sort of an uh, a, a opportunity to, you know, if you genuinely think that um, addressing issues of faith and spirituality would be appropriate uh, in, as part of the care and treatment of the loved one, then it's very much within uh, acceptable uh, uh, practice for carers to raise this and to, and to ask about it and to inquire what help is there for the person uh, in, that, in that regard. Just to touch on the topic of confidentiality, uh, so to, to remind uh, carers that, that there's nothing... Uh, stopping carers from making contact with healthcare providers uh, to share information uh, about the, their loved one and if there are any, any concerns. Um, uh, obviously, if the person has agreed to that, there's no problem. If the person hasn't agreed, hasn't agreed uh, generally speaking, you, you know, it is still possible to present information, especially if there are issues of concern and worries about risk issues, information can always be received. Um, where, there, where there is a li limit is in how much information you can get back uh, if the person hasn't given their agreement. Um, and in fact, it would be quite limited as to what information can come back. Um, again, depending on the level of risk. So if there is, uh, and, and we tell patients this, you know, confidential, your, your family don't need to know uh, things about you if you don't want them to, you know, but if there's ever a situation where, you know, things are very serious and you're at risk of harm to yourself or even to other, other people, you know, and you're not willing, you're not able to agree to us to share the information we might still have to do that anyway, or it's likely that we'll have to tell the people who need to know anyway. So confidentiality has, has a limit, basically. Uh, CAUSE, I think, is the main carers support organization used by healthcare services. Um, those of you who have been in that role, CAUSE, for, for mental health, Problems? Anyone had uh, involvement, dealings with cause? No? Okay. I, I thought I'd expect a few. Um, but uh, this is where we usually kind of direct uh, carers to get information, support. Again, they have helplines and support groups and information um, on their website. One slide on uh, caring for your pastors or caring for your Christian leaders. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, within the last couple of weeks. Uh, Christopher Ash was uh, introducing his, uh, in his new book, which is entitled, The Book Your Pastor Wishes You Would Read. Uh, 
but is too ashamed, but is too embarrassed to ask. Was the and it's, it's, it's all about just bearing in mind um, how to support your pastor well, uh, having an awareness of the unique pressures that he or she uh, faces. Um, I've heard it said before that one of the best gifts you can give your Christian leaders is is the gift of of time, time to pray, time to prepare, time to reflect. Um, And uh, it goes without saying that maybe the best gift we we can give to our our leaders is when we are faithful disciples and we bear fruit uh, and bear the fruit of faithful discipleship. Okay. So that, that's, that's uh, my thoughts on the, the area of carers and, and thinking about carers and caring for carers. Uh, a number of you have already had, had chats, I've had chats with about uh, Mental Health Awareness Week, which some of you will know was last week or between the 13th and 19th of, of May. Uh, and uh, there's been some interesting uh, TV shows and articles being written about it. Uh, the BBC have a lot on their website about mental health awareness. So just very, very, I thought it was very, very timely to, for us to be having this series uh, around the same time. Okay, are there any um, comments questions about the topic of caring for carers? Because again, I'm conscious there might be a, a lot of rich experience in the room that we can learn from. Yeah. The question, uh, uh, in terms of what the point I made about bringing up uh, issues and, and asking for things, at what point does somebody officially become a carer to the point where they have that right to bring it up? Uh, have I understood the question? Yeah. I never thought of that one. I, 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 presume, I presume anyone who is coming along to an appointment uh, with the consent of the person um, is is to me viewed as a carer or a supporter for that for that example or for that purpose you know or put it put it this way um, if somebody has come to a, to an appointment with somebody else, uh, then I would be open to listening to whatever the person has to say uh, and and see it as a valid question or a contribution to the overall um, you know. so, so if somebody brings along a friend into a, into a session you know, and they ask uh, the practitioner who they're seeing you know, um, you know I think you know, I appreciate the help that so and so is getting but I think in his case you know, his faith is very important to him um, is there anything available to help him uh, with that area of his life? You know, I think it's a very valid question from anyone coming alongside. 
which is, which is kind of what I was getting at. You know. It could lead to some interesting discussions in that way. Anything else? Okay, okay. Uh, I have a couple of questions here from the envelope. Um, if there's anyone else, it's not too late, so we can cover them, but uh, I've got a couple to, to respond to. Um, this is a question about addiction to shopping, uh, which I maybe a bit uh, trivialized earlier on. Uh, but the question is, uh, is, is addiction to, sh- to shopping actually real? Um, you know, I do feel like I have it. At first, it's only to give some sort of reward, but it ends up as something I do whenever I feel like I'm facing a huge problem or pressure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, when I, when, I, when I read that, then I think uh, the, the, the general principle is that, you know, if, if, if we are um, turning to something, whatever that may be, uh, as a proxy uh, to avoid um, actually dealing with something that needs to be dealt with at some level, then that's kind of problematic, you know, wh- whether you call it an addiction or not. Um, you know, if, if there's a pattern of uh, distracting oneself or escaping into something else or avoiding having to deal with a particular issue, situation, conflict, pressure, then, you know, that's kind of problematic. And it would be healthier to be able to... Um, See, see the issue for what it is and, and have a strategy and a, and a plan and an approach to tackling, tackling the issue, you know. So, yeah, so, you know, uh, I, think, I think the question itself already shows that the person realizes, you know, that, that it, it's, a, it's a distraction or it's an escape from things that perhaps need more focused more focused attention. Uh, this second question is, uh, at what point do we draw the line between commitment to a cause or profession um, and that becoming an addiction? Um, and the example that was given is, for example, work. Uh, uh, so over, over-devotion to work can be very uh, damaging, but in some cultures, you know, that is celebrated or that, that is valued. Um, so I see some, some similarity here again. So if... Uh, back to motive, um, if the thing that we are committed to, be it a cause or work 
or a relationship uh, becomes the be-all and end-all, if it's where we find our main identity, meaning, purpose, value in life, uh, then where we can get, become, get a bit on shaky ground because if something happens to that thing or if we're no longer able to be committed to that thing or if the situation changes, then where do you go from there or what are you left with as a result? So it's putting your uh, investing the, 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 your life in something which is potentially, um, well, which is not eternal and potentially uh, can change and can be taken away. Uh, so that's kind of how, how I would see it. If, if, if the commitment to a cause or, or profession um, is primarily an expression of a desire to um, serve the community and honor God and be faithful to what God wants you to do, then I think that's a healthier way to approach that, that, that topic. Okay, so, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there's, there's a genetic component. So, in a sense, uh, addictions can be genetically handed down, but also being exposed to the environment and observing and learning and seeing what's happening can definitely also uh, cause patterns to carry on down the generations. You know, so I think it's it's uh, um, uh, definitely a, a, a heritable thing, or it can be a heritable thing. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? In fact, anything else about the topic of the church and mental health in general before we uh, cl- close up our sessions? Yeah. 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 I think that's a great point. Uh, I hope everyone heard that. Did, did can you hear? Did you hear what he said at the back? Um. Some forms of Christian Christian teaching that promote uh, uh, victory and overcoming and prosperity and also everything is you're in a battle all the time. Uh, our, our friend was was suggest, was asking, do you, do you think that that could be that could contribute to um, people struggling with mental health issues? And I would. I would say yes. Uh, I, I, I think so. I think if the message is, is one of, you know, you really need to be on, on, on good form, on top of your game, overcoming, triumphant, joyful, 
victorious all the time, and if you're not, you know, it's because you're not applying enough faith, or you're not battling hard enough, or you're not, um, you know, praying in the right way. I think I think those things can really con- confuse people and, and put them in a bind because the f- the feelings are real, and 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 if they can't recognize that, they'll have to find less helpful explanations for what they're going through. So that's a great point. Okay. Well, uh, we've come to the end of our, our series, and thank you very much again for your uh, attendance and your attention over these past six weeks or so. Thank you very much. Thank you.